0: A few weeks ago, I was uh, <clears throat> fulfilling one of the many duties that come with parenthood, and I was changing a diaper. Now this wasn't any diaper, because if it's a wet diaper, I'm happy to change a wet diaper at any point in time, but this was a, this was a dirty diaper. And as far as like, all of the responsibilities that I have in life, like, changing a dirty diaper is obviously like, towards the very top of the things that I absolutely despise doing in life, and yet I try and be a good parent. And so here I was with my child who had a dirty diaper, and so uh, <clears throat> I get everything ready. Child on the changing table, uh, diaper unfolded, set out, ready to go, baby wipes open, wipe in hand, legs in hand, and I begin to do what you do when you change a dirty diaper, and that involves cleaning the backside, yeah? So I'm a few strokes in, and I get to this point where I I have this thought. I don't know what inspired this thought. Perhaps it's because we were in the season of Advent and I knew Christmas was just around the corner. Perhaps it's because I'm a pastor and I try and find significance in the insignificance. Perhaps it's because my mind is a strange and scary place. But I had this thought of, Jesus knows what it's like to have his backside cleaned. (laughs) Because Jesus himself had his own backside cleaned, right? And I'm now realizing that it's probably more so the fact that my mind is a strange and scary place. But regardless, recognize that you affirm this each and every year, whether you say this verbatim or not, because each and every time that you say Merry Christmas, every time we talk about the Christ child being born, every time we talk about God becoming incarnate, every time we talk about God taking on flesh and dwelling among us, we are essentially affirming this idea that Jesus had his backside cleaned. Am I right? Because to say that God took on flesh, to say that God became human, to talk about the incarnation is to talk about the entire gambit of life from birth through Jesus' life, his teaching, his ministry, all the way to his death. And so by saying Merry Christmas, you are saying Jesus knows what it's like to have his backside clean. Now, as I'm sitting there with this and having this theological epiphany at the changing changing table, like, I, I realized this, this became a, a bit like, jarring and disorienting for me because I like, played out the implications of this because to talk about Jesus knowing what it's like to have his own backside clean, like, we're talking about God knowing what it's like for God to have God's own backside clean. Am I right? But recognize that when, when we talk about Jesus knowing what it's like to have his backside clean, like, we're not talking about um, like some sort of dictator or despot who is on some sort of power trip or making some sort of ego move. Like We're not saying that Jesus is like uh, enforcing this upon some sort of subject, one of his subjects. But rather, when we talk about Jesus knowing what it's like to have his own backside clean, we're talking about him rather becoming subject to another. And that has like profound implications for our understanding of who God is. Now, uh, a few weeks after this theological epiphany at the changing table, I realized that um, this wasn't the first time that I had actually had this sort of thought, um, but rather I would uh, come across it in a book a couple years ago called Honest Advent um, by a visual artist named Scott Erickson. Um, and the way that this book works is uh, every day has uh, a picture, because he's a visual artist, and what I appreciate about it is that these pictures like, bring us into the Christmas story in a, a unique way. Um, I'm somebody that lives in like words, and so this like, bypasses my default operating system and, and uh, brings me into the story in a new way. Um, Then there's a a scripture for each day and then like a reflection upon uh, the picture and the scripture. It's a, it's a quirky little book, um, but I found it to be really, really uh, meaningful. One of the, one of the days uh, came with the title mighty and this was the picture that he had. (laughs) By the way, this is probably not where you thought Christmas Eve was going to go, is it? But here we have uh, obviously like this, this picture of Jesus. We have a baby wife that says mighty and this lightning bolt across the eyes that says God. And this, this chapter, this whole day uh, in the devotional, was, was dedicated to this idea of, like, what is might and what is mightiness? And uh, he, he reflects on how, like, typically the way that we think about might and mightiness is like a, a superhero of sorts, right? Like somebody wearing spandex, somebody with, like, chiseled muscles and an uh, impeccable sort of haircut, right? And he asks, like, is, is this what, what God is like? In fact, he asks the question, but if Jesus is a vision of the invisible Almighty, what does his incarnation tell us about a mighty God? Meaning, if Jesus is the clearest image of God that we have, what does his incarnation, what does his life tell us about a mighty God? He says that mightiness isn't necessarily something that physically overcomes, so much as it is the strength to go through. Mightiness isn't like uh, an, uh, an image of God like Thor bringing down some sort of hammer, but rather it's, it's Jesus who has like the endurance to go through all of the difficulties that come up in life. He reaches the apex of, of this chapter where he says, Jesus is mighty, not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go through human hardship like we have to do. Again, it's not this like Thor bringing down hammer on on uh, his obstacles, but rather it's like the the willingness to like enter into the human experience that you, each and every one of us have to do as well. He says it's his compassionate empathy that has the power to transform the human heart. How does God restore what God loves? By being with what God loves. I love that. Because that moves us from what's perhaps just a a crude image or a crude picture on Christmas Eve to what I think is actually a really compelling image of what God and flesh among us can indeed look like. My friends, this is the good news of Christmas. God is with us. And when we say God is with us, we don't mean this in some sort of like ooey-gooey, warm, fuzzy, sentimental sort of way. But when we say God is with us, we mean it in like a real-life flesh and blood, experiencing all of the vulnerabilities that come with this human experience, all the way down to knowing what it's like to have one's backside cleaned by another sort of way. Like when we talk about God being with us, we're not talking about this in some sort of idealistic sort of way, but rather we're talking about it in some sort of incarnate sort of way. And Matthew's Gospel tells us uh, this much from the very opening pages. Because we, we get these details surrounding... Um, the entrance of Jesus into this world. And uh, the, the details surrounding Jesus' entrance into the world are, difficult, uh, are difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. And outside of like the experience of like the virgin birth, like, I think most of us can relate to some of these difficult uh, circumstances within this story, right? It's plans that don't go according to... or it's uh, details that don't go ac- according to plan. It's... Um, Things not going the way that we thought they would. It's surprises that pop up along the way. And like these are the real life sorts of things that each and every one of us experience, right? Um, Because we all have these difficult situations that pop up in life. And so after giving us the details of these difficult situations, Matthew tells us all of this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with. Matthew begins his gospel with this recognition that God is with us. And by the way, do you know how Matthew ends his gospel? At the very end of Matthew's gospel, after Jesus' life, his ministry, his his teachings, his death, his resurrection, on the other side of the resurrection, Jesus is talking with his disciples, giving them sort of like their marching orders in light of all that they have experienced in him. And the very last words of Matthew come from Jesus' lips himself as he says to his disciples, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Which means that Matthew's gospel is bookended with this recognition that God is with us and this, rem- and this reminder that God is with us. Which means that everything that we read in between is meant to be read in, in, through this lens of God being with us. Which means that everything that we read in between these two bookends are like concrete examples of what it looks like for God to take on flesh and live among us. Another way to put this is that Matthew's gospel is something like a theological treatise of what it looks like for God to be with us in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And notice that this flesh and blood of Jesus isn't just God with us in the good times, but it's also God with us in the bad times. It's not just God with us uh, in the beautiful times, but it's God with us in the ugly times. It's not just God with us in the the joyous times, but also the sad times. It's not God with us just when we're feeling elated, but also when we're feeling devastated. It's not just when we're feeling brave and courageous, but also when we're showing up and feeling rather uh, exposed and vulnerable. God is God with us through all of that. And that brings us back to this good news that God is with us. And God seems so committed to this idea of showing us that God is with us, that God is willing to exchange whatever sort of uh, divine privilege God has to enter into the human experience just like you and me to show us how much God is with us. It really is this simple. And yet, uh, living into this reality is often where it gets far more complicated. Am I right? Uh, As you might know, uh, we just came out of a bit, a bout of COVID in our household. Uh, and it was, I'll be honest, it was like one of the most difficult, like two weeks uh, stretches uh, that I've had in a, in recent memory. Um, Allie tested positive on a Thursday. I tested negative. Raya tested negative. Pax seemed fine, so we didn't test him. And then on that Monday, uh, Raya tested positive. I tested negative. Allie still is testing positive. And then I tested positive the next Wednesday. I was like, oh my goodness, this thing is going to stretch out for like an entire month and we're not going to see another single person except for two little tiny human beings. <sighs> now, if you are a parent, you know that uh, sickness is difficult. But as soon as you throw kids into the mix, and I'm not exaggerating, it turns up the intensity by something like a million percent. Am I Right. Because, like it, it interrupts sleep, and all you want to do is sleep, but they can't sleep, and so you're awake and you're feeling miserable all the time. You get the gist of my difficult few weeks here, right? Now my response to all of this: I got up early every morning, before everybody else got up. I fought off the, the grogginess, suffered through my congestion. I said, "God, thank you for being so good." Thank you. For your goodness in my life, thank you for your goodness in my family, thank you for your goodness in creation itself, and I know that you are with me even in the most difficult two weeks of my life. Is that what I did? <laughs> Heck no, that's not what I did. It was a week full of like complaining and feeling sorry for myself, right? And as I've been thinking about it over the last couple weeks, or the last couple days, <laughs> um, I began to realize like I have these practices in my life that are really meaningful, um, they're like, really grounding and help me to actually have eyes to see God with us. Um, whether that be like getting up early in actuality and praying before everybody wakes up or short moments of silence throughout the day or um, going to the gym or reading before bed. Like, these are really grounding practices. And yet, I've discovered that when chaos in life hits, I am so quick to abandon every single one of these. <laughs> now, I want to give myself some grace because like, you know, I couldn't actually go to the gym because I'd be coughing COVID on everybody. And that's typically frowned upon. Right. But like some of these things, like I could have come back to, and yet I completely abandoned them, but I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm becoming more and more convinced that so much of the Christian life is about like growing in our ability and learning uh, to have this awareness that God is with us. And And I think that the world really is, as theologian Dallas Willard says, like a God-soaked one. That God is all around us and God is always trying to reveal God's self to us. But oftentimes we don't have the eyes to see it. And I think God's uh, natural posture towards us is one of invitation rather than one of indictment. That I think God is always calling us into a greater awareness of God's self being with us. Now, fortunately, like there are ways that we can grow in our ability and our awareness to see God. Um, I think one of those is actually like celebrating Christmas because we stop once a year and we say, hey, Merry Christmas. God is with us. Once a year, we come back to this reminder that God is with us. I think another way that we can do this is by like sitting with the gospels, particularly a gospel like Matthew, where like it seems so intent on revealing what it looks like for God to be with us. Conveniently enough, uh, we're going to be spending the next few months in Matthew's gospel here on Sunday morning. So good news for you, right? But uh, another way that I think we can do this is by like, sharing the ways that we've seen God uh, being with us. Perhaps we call it God at work, right? Sharing the ways that we've seen God at work in us and through us and around us and among us and the ways that we're even looking for God to be at work because I think that, that cultivates uh, an imagination within us to, to try and see God with us. Now, notice that with every single one of these, like, you do this already. (laughs) Like, these are already practices in our life. And I say all of this because, like, while it may be challenging, um, it's something that all of us can do. Like, none of us are excluded from this reality of God being with us. I think like that's the point of the incarnation, that God is so intent on this, again, that God uh, empties God's self of all divine privilege to enter into the human experience so that each and every one of us can come to this realization that God is with us. So my friends, uh, wherever you find yourself this evening, um, perhaps you're here and like, you look around and you are surrounded by f- uh, family and your to-do list went flawlessly and you couldn't be any more delighted than you are right now. Um, perhaps uh, you're sitting here and your last uh, few days have been like my last two weeks and you were literally pulling your hair out as you got here just to slick it back and put on a happy face to get in here for a moment of peace. Perhaps uh, as you're thinking about the next few weeks, like, you realize that it's going to be filled with family. But that's a difficult thing because family is a difficult thing. Um, perhaps because of um, the way that you think about life or the way that you show up in life. Or perhaps uh, you're thinking about the next few weeks and like you realize like there isn't family. And that's hard because family is a good thing. But because of some sort of loss, it's not a thing this year. Perhaps you're feeling a bit numb. Perhaps you're somewhere in the middle of all of these things. Regardless of where you are, may you know that God is with us. Again, not in some sort of ooey-gooey, warm, fuzzy, sentimental sort of way, but in like a real-life flesh and blood, experiencing all of the vulnerabilities that come with life, down to even knowing what it's like to have one backside cleaned by another sort of way. God is with us in the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the joyful, the sad, the, the elated, the devastated, the moments where we're feeling brave and courageous, and the moments where we're feeling exposed and vulnerable. And I think that's good news because it's all of this stuff that makes up the beauty that we call the incarnation. So my friends, may you know that God is with us. And may we grow in our ability to see this and may we grow in our awareness of this this Christmas season. Merry Christmas, my friends.